difference in the world around us? What if that love looked at everyone the way God does? A love which doesn't see the past, but is consumed by a desire to see people come to know Jesus. A love which is patient and kind, not envious or prideful. A love which puts others before ourselves, chooses peace over anger. A love which protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. Do we love like this? Do we love like Jesus? Maybe it's time to ask a simple question. How can we love better? Good morning again. How do we love better? That's what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. We're actually kicking off a, a multi-part series, if you will. I'm, I'm not 100% sure whether it's going to be a three or a four-part series. I hadn't finished the ending of it yet. Uh, to be told. So I know we're at least going to be talking about love and how do we love better for at least the next three weeks. I mean, that, that's just something that seems so fundamental, but honestly, it's something that people starve for every day. People starve for feeling like they belong. People starve for feeling like they are loved. You know, we talked about the last couple of weeks when, before Tanya spoke last week when I was here, we, we talked about putting our faith in Jesus. Those of us that are Jesus followers, that means that we're part of a kingdom. And sometimes that's a little foreign to us that, you know, what does it really look like? We talked about that a little bit. But if we're part of a kingdom, that means we have a king, and that king is Jesus. He's the one that's supposed to be the guide. He's supposed to be the example now, the difference with Jesus was he did everything different than just about everybody, not just how kings were supposed to act. He was different than everybody. And the king of kings and the Lord of lords, what makes him really amazing is that he meets each and every one of us right where we are at. At any given time, they just sung about it, coming to the Lord over and over. We come to Jesus at different times, at different stages in our life, at different pressure points, if you will. And wherever we're at in that moment, he always meets us. So I'm going to take a little bit of a, a different turn, something that I hadn't had in my message that it just really kind of hung on me all week long. Those baptisms that I showed you, the biggest thing that stood out to me, it wasn't that we were on the beach. It wasn't that it, that it wasn't beautiful. My wife and I, she, she had a really bad headache that morning. She had got, she, the thought of spending all week with her husband was giving her a killer headache. And this is day one. If Renee and I are together at a baptism, we're almost assuredly are going to cry. It's just beautiful. People making that declaration. And 
I even like, hey, honey, are you feeling better? You really need to come see this. And unfortunately, she couldn't. Every one of them, seven of them, were significantly older than I was. And they were being baptized. That's the biggest thing that jumped out to me. So, okay, newsflash, uh, sometime this year, much later this year, I'm going to turn 50 years old. So I know some of y'all in this room are like, man, he's just a youngin'. Well, just think back. Y'all's knees started hurting at 52, okay? So I'm not like just some young, young person, but it really stood out because most of the baptisms that my wife and I have witnessed over the last several years, they've been young people. So it really jumped out to me that are, are we making sure that everybody knows that they're loved by Jesus? Are we getting that word out? Are, are we doing it as a church? Am I doing it as an individual? Do we sometimes forget sections of people that, hey, we need to offer that up as well? Do we sometimes kind of put people in a box and go, well, you know, they're baptized. They're 52 years old. No, not necessarily. So, if you're here and you haven't been, and maybe you haven't been at church for a long time, Debbie shared with me someone who doesn't even live in our state has been watching us, and that kind of scared me. Thank you, Debbie. And, and, you know, so we don't know who's watching us online, and are we talking to everybody? So, if, if you're coming to us and you're a Jesus follower, amen, we're glad you're here. If you're not, I hope that you'll at least open your mind enough to hear what Jesus might have to say. Because Jesus was so significant in the world, even if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. You have to acknowledge that he was so significant in the world that he changed so much. Just the way that we keep our time was changed. That's where we get the terminology B.C. and A.D., B.C. being before Christ's birth. He changed the world. So other faiths that don't even acknowledge that Jesus exists, they keep their time because the birth of this Jesus. So you have to, I think you owe it to yourself, like, man, if this guy changed time. Before Christ, before his birth. And A.D., which A.D. stands for Anno Domini, which is Latin for in the year of the Lord. And you know what society's done? And I didn't even realize this. I, I had to take a, um, I don't even, I think it was like a study of the Old Testament or something like that um, a few years ago. And the professor from a Christian college started saying BCE, and it was um, BCE and I can't remember. Now I just drew a blank on it. Common time. Anyway, they've changed it. Before common era. That's what it is. Before common era. So society that doesn't want us to put our faith in this Jesus that changed calendars has started calling it even in Christian colleges, BCE, before common era. No, it's before Christ. Before common era. So society, again, is trying to mix in and change things so, the A.D., which is Latin, in the year of our Lord. What if we still talk like that? 
What if our kids, every time they were writing something on their paper in the year of the Lord? Just that reminder that the Lord is there. That reminder that he changed everything. He was the greatest phenomenon that has ever been studied in history. It's the most, one of, it, it is the most recorded life ever in history. A man who only lived 33 years. So if you don't know him, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. And I hope that you'll at least, maybe I'm giving you just a little intrigue, like, wow, I didn't realize that that man did all that. So Jesus, what made him so different? Okay, he rose from the dead. That's for us that put our faith in Jesus. We acknowledge that. We put our faith in that. But for those that don't, he was so different as a person. Everything that he did, Jesus, the Jewish rabbi, was different than any other rabbi that was walking. Jesus, the carpenter, how he interacted with people was different. Jesus, the stranger, how he met people that he had never known and how he interacted with them. Most ordinary people did not act like him. Priest that was supposed to be serving everybody, that was supposed to be taking care of the widows. Do you know that that was one of the church's main jobs back then? That's the whole reason why they took money in, was to give back to the widows, to take care of them. They didn't interact with widows anywhere even close to the way that Jesus lived. So, I'm kind of dancing back and forth. Those of us that put our faith in Jesus, when we look at him as our king and from the perspective of being a king, king sets the agenda. He sets the agenda for us, how we're supposed to live. He gives the laws. A king governs. We talked about that last week or two weeks ago. So there was one point the disciples had been following Jesus and he was different. Number one, all the miracles, which just was amazing. How he interacted with people. I can only imagine how many sidebar conversations the disciples had. Can you believe what he did today? He touched a leper. See, we don't have any concept of that. Maybe for us in our time, in our modern time, oh my gosh, he went up and hugged that COVID patient without a mask on. Did you see that? <laughs> Jesus would have done that. He interacted with everybody so different. But one thing that he did, and I, I confess, I, I am not as good at this as I should be. My wife called me out on it Sunday, Saturday morning on the beach. I have a hard time calming myself and centering myself with just me and God. Separate myself from the day to day. Now I pray all the time. I was taught years ago from my wonderful grandmother, hey, you can talk to God wherever you're at. And I, and I talk to God all day long, but that just separating and having that quiet time, number one, to recognize who Jesus was. His disciples said, teach us to pray. You, keep, you, you, just, you do everything different. Now you go off by yourself. He wasn't doing like those in the synagogues and beating their chest and saying, oh, God, thank you, hooting and hollering. No. 
He went off by himself quietly. And they were like, what, what do you pray? So we got a verse for you, and this is out of Matthew 6, 9. And I think most of us, if we spend any time in church, we would know this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We know this as the Lord's Prayer. God is the Father in heaven. You see, he wanted us to make that connection when he's teaching us to pray that first of all, we have a personal connection. God is not some untouchable being that we do not be have in our life. Our Father in heaven. Now, hallowed be thy name. He is holy. We forget that, but Jesus wanted to make sure right off the bat, he's our Father and he is holy. And we get to come and talk to him. You see, that was foreign. For us, we, oh, that's the Lord's Prayer. Depending on what kind of church environment you grew up with in, you probably said it every Sunday. I'll ask the Lord's Prayer. Unfortunately, when we say these things and we recite them over and over, they just become something that we recite. We miss the meaning of it. Jesus, right off the bat, said, you want me to teach you how to pray? Okay, we pray to our Father, our Father. He's all of our Father, and He is holy. Right off the bat, we got to recognize how holy that He is. Renee and I were on the beach one evening, and and. There was a part of the beach where no street lights were there. And man, you could just see a million stars. There was just one point where, I mean, literally, we were just looking up and in circles. And she's like, oh, there's the Big Dipper. There's the North Star. And she was pointing all this stuff out. And I'm just like, wow. And she made the comment, because we're standing right in front of the Atlantic Ocean. How huge it all seemed. How tiny we felt. And she goes, I can't even comprehend how vast God is. All that seems so overwhelming. God is bigger than all of it, she said. Right now, my wife, my wife hates when I use her in sermons. And she's like, man, I just, I'm not going to say anything else to him all week long. But she does. And she always gives me wonderful material. Thy kingdom come, the, the, the 10th verse. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I think the translation is a little bit different. Translation is a little bit different. So God created his kingdom. And right off the bat, we recognize that he's holy. And we are to ask for his kingdom to come and it to be done as it is in heaven. So how does that happen? Well, guess what? That's us. That's what he left us here for. That's what he left the Holy Spirit for. Thy kingdom come, that is us. We are the kingdom here on earth to carry out and to continue carrying out his mission. So how do we live like Jesus? His name was Jesus. And we're to carry out his will. John 14, 31. I love the Father and do exactly what my father has commanded me. He commanded it. What did he command Jesus to do? Love. Have we ever really thought about, that, broke that down? What was Jesus commanded? Yes, he was commanded to die. Yes, he was to come and change the world. I mean, think about it. All right, son, I'm going to send you to the world. You're going to change the world. Everything from this point forward, they're going to keep time differently. I want you to be nice to everybody, except sometimes call the Pharisees out. Show everybody that you love them. 
and you're going to have to die for them. Can you imagine those, those marching orders? We can't imagine that. So, so what do we do? We try to emulate Jesus. Jesus as a king. No greater love than this. I just shared it in my brother's memorial service. There's no greater love than to die for someone else. But Jesus did so much more than that. I mean, that's the ultimate. But throughout his life, throughout his three years of ministry, he changed how everybody looks at everybody else. If we listen, if we pay attention, society wants you to say, hey, that guy was crazy back then, and your thoughts of being like him today is even crazier. That's what society tries to tell us. So the Pharisees, every time the Pharisees came across Jesus, they were trying to trip him up. They didn't like what he was bringing. So they were like, okay, tell us what the greatest commandment is. And we saw this in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. And, and I know most of you have heard this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, everybody in that crowd would have been nodding. They would have been nodding. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's being a good Jewish person. So at this point, everybody is nodding. Now, we're not going to go into it today, but he goes on and tells a parable about someone who they thought was lesser than less, and they took care of somebody else, the Good Samaritan. You see, Jesus not only changed our calendar, he gives us phrases that we say today. Boy, that's a good Samaritan. And you know what's so cool? Half the people that say it don't even know that they're talking about Jesus. That's how different Jesus was. He changed how we look at things. So when he got to that story, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And they're thinking, oh, yeah. It's like our Greenwood Hills neighbors here. Yeah, we're going to love them. We're going to pray for them, and we should. But Jesus' definition of neighbor was everybody. That's so, such a foreign concept. And then he continues on. Jesus set the bar even higher, and everything Jesus did, he keep, continues to set the, the bar high. And we're now going to read this out of John's gospel. And it was basically a final command that he gave. And this is John 13, 34. New command I give you. This is at the wrap-up of the Last Supper. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. What? See, we can read that. We hear it so much in church. So I'm going to slow that down. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. How did Jesus love? Crazy, uninhibited, didn't matter who it was, love. He loved everybody. And then by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, here's one another. Again, he's not just talking about the 11 that was there. He's talking about everybody. 
go out and show the world your mind, not because of this cross we're going to be carrying, not because of the Jesus shirt we're wearing, and all of those are fine, but how we love each other. So I'm going to share a story with you. And I'm kind of going to give a backstory, if you will, of the final scripture that we're going to wrap up on. Jesus teaches us so many parables and much of his parables that he teaches and, and, and they're so believable and he did that on purpose. Sometimes it's hard to tell is his parable like actually happened? Did it actually happen? Or is this a made up story from Jesus? Well, this is a recorded event in the Bible. Jesus has an interaction with a woman. Now, Jesus was a rabbi, and he could have interactions with women. But I, I want you to understand that in this day and time, Tanya right here, this, this whole front row thing, oh, no, no, the, the women are back there. W would you move on back, please? I'm sorry, the women. All of you ladies up front, just move to the back. That's crazy foreign to us, and it should be. Don't you go nowhere. In Jesus' time, to have an interaction with a woman, to have a meaningful interaction with a woman, made people kind of, <gasps> but she wasn't just any woman. This woman, bless her heart, she was aged past her years. I'm going to guess she was probably in her 40s, and she probably looked like she was much older. She'd been married at this point multiple times, which in that day's society, just that would have been a collective. <gasps> She's been married multiple times. People would have whispered about her. It's believed that she probably was a widow the first time, but again, we've already talked about it. They didn't do a very good job of looking after their widows, and so she went from husband to husband. You know, for most of us, you have those people that we might have a collective gas. It, it may be people in our family. Everybody has a crazy uncle and a crazy aunt. You're like, oh, I don't know that I want to be around this person. Renee, don't tell the church about uncle, you know, whoever it is, okay? We all have those people. Well, this woman would have been an outcast that nobody, they would have walked by her in the street, and they probably would have crossed the street to make sure they didn't pass this woman. To even interact with her would have been a bad thing. She was officially an outcast. The sad thing is, she knows this all too well. She lives in seclusion. She doesn't come out in the day. Back in this time, one of the main chores of the ladies was to go out and get water from the well for the day. And they did this early in the morning. Why? Because it was cool. They lived in a desert region. She didn't. She only came out in the heat of the day. Because she didn't even want to be around the people. She didn't want to be looked at the way they looked at her anymore. She was jealous. And in many cases, what does jealousy lead to? Depression. 
She would hear the other girls laughing and carrying on as they were going to get the water from the well. But they didn't go, or she didn't go. Because she didn't even feel comfortable being around, my gosh, going and getting water. She stayed in seclusion. You know, it was especially difficult for her waiting for the heat of the day, feeling like she didn't belong. No one loved her, and no one even wanted to be around her. You know, even though she felt all of that on herself, she longed to be accepted. I truly believe there, there are certain innate things that are put in us by our Creator. That's why people even stumble across Jesus sometimes. They just want to feel like they belong. They just want to feel like someone loves them. And that's what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to make people feel like they belong in the society. We're supposed to make people feel like that they are loved. Maybe you know someone like her. Maybe you work with someone that you avoid having that conversation with. Maybe you know somebody just started taking a break, so you stop. And, oh, I don't want to take a break. I'm going to have to interact with that person. Whatever it is, Jesus came to change it all. Jesus came to say that every one of us has value. So I'm going to read really quickly out of John chapter 4. Now the first part of this, again, you got people who don't want to believe. The first part of this whole passage here is for the Jewish readers. And they know where all of these places is. John chapter 4, 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. Again, part of our job, go out there and meet the people, baptize them. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Now a good Jewish person never crossed through Samaria unless they had to. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground of Jacob. Now, this is all the part for the Jewish people, so they knew exactly where they're at. Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. Again, women didn't go to the well at noon. This is the hottest part of the day. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? He's by himself because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. 
They're looking across at somebody who looks a little bit different with them. They don't even have a conversation with them. And Jesus is sitting down with her and asking for a drink. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, him being Jesus, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. This is the word of God. I'm going to pray. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, give us the strength and wisdom to hear your word. Most of all, give us the wisdom to act on it, to live it out, to be your kingdom workers, your hands and feet. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. To everyone in that day, and, and, and it's so hard to give an example in, in today's time, this shattered all of the norms. Jesus was talking to a woman, and he was talking to a Samaritan woman. A Samaritan woman who had been married multiple times. They were so strong against this, they would have believed him being a Jewish rabbi. At that point, he was unclean. He would not have been able to walk back into his synagogue because he would have been considered unclean just talking to this woman. So when his disciples came back, I mean, again, that sidebar conversation, what is Jesus doing? So you imagine... I'll make you play a little role play in your head for a second. Who's your woman at the well? Who would you step side around? I'm guilty of it. I've done it before. I'm getting better at it. I will fully confess a good buddy of mine, and many of you know him, has Help me to appreciate going to the streets and loving on people that you don't even know. It's powerful. That's when we're truly acting like Jesus. Now, look, that's not for everybody. And my daughter, she gets so mad at me, I don't even want her to go into Walmart past 7 o'clock and it's still daylight out. It's kind of a funny story in, in our house. She's like, Dad, you're, you're so much more strict on me. And she's away at college now, but... You let the boys do anything. And I said, honey, they're ugly. You are a beautiful young lady. I'm not worried about somebody attacking them. Nobody wants them. 
My daughter's gift is working with the homeless. She went on a mission trip, and she found where she thrives. She was walking down the streets in Asheville where they did this mission, and people from across the street were yelling, Hey, Jess! It was starting to wig out the, the youth leaders that were there, like, Jess, how do you, well, I talked to him yesterday. Remember when we were serving so-and-so? She loved on those people so much, people in Asheville, the homeless, knew her by the first name, and she was calling them by their name. And she comes home, she starts schooling me. Dad, when, when you meet somebody, you've got to learn their first name. Always remember their name. It's very important. Very important. We had that, another sidebar conversation. It's so important to make people feel like they are valued no matter who they are. That's exactly what Jesus did. So I had another thing that, that filtered into my message today. I pretty much knew a couple of weeks ago what I was going to be talking about and, and putting it all together. And, and so that other thought was, forgive me, the older-than-me people that I saw baptized. In that generation, how many people don't go, I've never actually put my faith in Christ? Because that generation, and I'm going to speak of my dad and older's generation, well, everybody back in that generation was supposed to put their faith in Christ. So maybe they don't, because they're embarrassed now. Oh, I should have done it years ago. So is there somebody that you know that's older than me, other than Renee, that may, that's a family joke. I love that I married an older woman. She don't love that I married an older woman because I remind her all the time. But anyway, is there somebody that we know that's simply a shut-in? Or maybe they're not so shut-in, they just don't feel comfortable coming out. You know, I grew up in church, but I grew up in a church that believed that kids weren't supposed to be in the Bible. Can you believe that? And it wasn't until I was in high school, and I had a high school buddy, I think I was in a ninth grader, and they were like, all right, turn to the Bible. I was visiting that church. I didn't even know how to look it up in the Bible. And I was embarrassed. I'd known this guy since kindergarten. He goes, no, 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 look it up like this. So there I was, grew up in church, and I didn't know something that simple. Maybe there's somebody older that we need to invite to church. And then the rest of us, maybe there's people that we interact with in our life that we need to, I'm not talking about being crazy. I'm not talking about going around and going, you need to know Jesus. No, I'm talking about just Telling them that they have value. Jesus will take care of the rest. You matter. You matter. You matter. You matter. Pretend I just pointed at every one of you. And all of us, now those of you that have put your faith in Jesus, I'm calling you out. We're supposed to point at other people and say, you matter. That's how Jesus loved that's how Jesus loves every single one of us. So if you've forgotten that, I hope you know it today. And to open up that invitation, we're going to have a baptismal class. We're going to have a new member class. We're going to create all those kind of things. 
when people walk in this door and they want to know how to get plugged in, we're going to figure out how to create it. Now, notice I kept saying, we, 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 not I. We, we are going to create that. And I'm sure some of you have got some creative juices, something that you've been wanting to do in this church. That's where we are going to be able to make those things happen. Because we want to be the church on Main Street that we love each other and we love other people like Jesus love. That I don't care if our numbers grow at all. They know us how we love. That's what Jesus has taught us to do. Let me pray for us. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for helping me center my scattered brain. Thank you for reminding me this week that you came for everybody. And that's our job to carry out your mission to make sure everybody else knows that they have value because you said they had value. Now it's our job to show them that they have value. God, I pray that you help us to let your love continue to grow and your spirit just fill up this Greenwood Hills Church so that anybody that comes in contact with any of us, they will know that we are yours because of how we love. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. If you'll stand, we are going to close with the song we closed with last week. Same God.
This society that we live in holds so many people captive. And those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, we know how freeing that is. We know that we can say, hey, it doesn't matter what society says. My God, who was the same yesterday, is the same today, and will be the same forever, loves me. So let's go out to some of those captives of society. And say, hey, we love you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you all have a wonderful week. Amen.